Welcome, everyone. Another episode of Doing Business with a Servant's Heart. And I've got a fantastic guest. I just met him a couple weeks ago, or maybe less. Uh, but Nolan Barnes, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, so pumped to be here. My first first podcast I've ever ever done. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna break you in big time. All here. right. <laughs> we're gonna have fun. Let's hey, do it. And your story is great. Let's start with the story and why you're here and why serving is so important to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so I'm Nolan Barnes. Uh, I'm up from Canada. Um, I was actually injured in a motor vehicle rollover uh, at almost almost 13 years ago now um, in May of 2010 when I was just 18 years old. So to give you a bit of a backstory on on how that all transpired. Uh, I got to back up a little bit before the crash and kind of tell you a little bit about what I was like as a kid. So I grew up in a really small city um, called Yorkton, Saskatchewan, Canada. Um, I had uh, grown up training horses, working with cattle. I was always a hardworking kid, had a job since I was like 10 years old, um, you know, working with horses. And and I've always been uh, an athlete. Uh, never a, a pro all-star or anything. I just played a lot of school sports and some baseball outside of school and um you know I was a very big family guy and my friends were all very important to me um I never touched any kind of drugs or any of that kind of stuff um really until basically the end of grade 11 so a lot of my friends were graduating I hung out with the grade older than me uh, when they all left school kind of found myself not friendless but didn't have my my amigos with me anymore and so I started hanging with a crowd of kids that partied a little harder than I did. And that's kind of what introduced me into the, the drug party scene. Um, and that got carried away fairly quickly. It really started to affect me, definitely affected my family around me. Um, you know, I stopped working all these jobs, stopped doing my school sports. I found myself with a ton of free time. Um, and I was filling that time with, you know, not so good things. Uh, one day we were coming back from a bigger city in in, in uh, the province of Saskatchewan called Saskatoon. And we were at a party um, all night till like five in the morning. So we had gotten in the vehicle, uh, drove from Yorkton uh, on Friday afternoon right after school, uh, went up to Saskatoon, partied all night, got uh, getting ready to go back home. We had a meeting with all of us uh, talking about what we should be doing, if we should be staying in Saskatoon, which we had a place to stay or if we should try and drive home and it was a unanimous decision i think a lot of us had lied to our parents at the time we had kids huh. from 14 to 19 and decided you know what whatever let's hop in the vehicle there's enough of us to drive let's go so we head on down the highway at one point in time we actually stopped for a bathroom break and we switched seats uh, with a guy that uh, was driving from a uh, from a girl that was in the back seat that felt like he sh really shouldn't be behind the wheel no problem. So she hopped in the driver's seat. He came, sat beside me, continued on down the road. The last thing I remember is, is going to sleep and then waking up and I'm outside. And the weird thing was I didn't feel like any pain or any kind of real, you know, anything. I just was kind of wondering why the heck am I outside? And then I could hear the girls start screaming and crying. Wow. And I went to go stand up. And when I went to stand up, I did like a push up and I realized, oh my God, I, I can't feel the lower half of my body. 
And I remember looking around, turning, seeing my feet there and that being a relief because I felt like I was cut in half or something. And then it hit me like a brick. You know, I'm paralyzed. Like right away, I knew. So I started screaming for help and a lady came over and knelt down beside me and kind of comforted me and just said that we had rolled our truck and that ambulances were on the way and someone's going to come look after you. And then she went on to go help some of the other, other kids. And the EMTs arrived and they put me in the back of an ambulance and were carrying me off to the hospital and all these emotions and things are running through my mind. You know, one of the first things I thought of was my family. You know, and then I thought, what, what's my life going to be like? Like I've never met a paraplegic before, let alone been one. So getting up to the hospital and getting all my assessments done. And one of the assessments that they do is they break a, a popsicle stick in half and they poke you around with it. And they say, can you feel this? Can you feel this? So they're poking me in spots I could feel. And then they're saying, can you feel this? Can you feel this? I said, no, no. And I thought it was maybe like a control test or something like mm -hmm. they weren't actually poking me. And then I looked down and I seen that they were touching my legs and I couldn't feel them anymore. Um, I, the next three days I spent sitting in hospital waiting for a surgery to get rods put in my back. And it was at that moment that I felt super, super loved. I had, I think it was like 83 people come visit me in those three days from all corners of the province. Um, you know, family, friends, people I haven't talked to in years. And it really built a lot of belief in myself because I realized how much of an impact I made on people. And after the three days, I got my back surgery. I had some complications. My lungs filled up with fluid. And so I had to be induced into a coma for two weeks. And during this time in this coma, I was watching my whole life basically go from trying to stand in my dreams and not being able to walk to walking again one day. And when I woke up, one of the first things I did when I finally got the ventilators and stuff out was I told my mom and dad, I, I loved them and that I was sorry. Mm. You know, I said, I put you guys through hell and I, I can't possibly, you know, make up for this. And my parents are great. They just showed me unconditional love and said, don't worry about that, Nolan. Let's just worry about getting Amen. up and walking again. Wow. And uh, that's when the journey of, you know, my new life was about to begin. At the time, it looked very grim, you know, Steve. Like, I thought that I was going to go back to my farm and my family's going to have to help me do everything. I would never be independent. That I'd never have a girlfriend. I'd never do sports again. I had, I just thought it was the end of the road for me. Wide range of emotions. Super wide range of emotions. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so... I got introduced. I was very like, I didn't want to talk to anyone that was in a chair that was, you know, injured around me. I just figured this is going to be a temporary thing. I'm going to walk out of here. This isn't going to be my life. And I kept trying to sell myself on that story. And then I met a gentleman in a wheelchair who did some pretty incredible things with his life. And as he's telling us his story, you know, he's a professional adaptive water skier. He had a wife and kids. He owned a small business. He was very relatable and very cool. And when I looked at him and met him, I, I thought to myself, I could be something like that. You know, maybe there's a life here to be lived. And so he uh, introduced me into adaptive water skiing. And when I got into that, like I come from a ski family, I figured I'd be able to just go back home to the lake and go water skiing with my, with my family. I had no idea 
no idea where this was going to go. And uh, to kind of fast forward for time's sake, um, you know, a year later, I met the, the Canadian team coach. Uh, they sent me down to uh, Winter Haven, Florida to learn how to ski in February, which up here is impossible. <laughs> yeah. So I went down to the, the beautiful southern states and got in some warm water with the Gators. And, and uh, you know, I spent a whole two weeks down there and I couldn't get up on a slalom ski. You know, the next year, I remember going to the gym. I found a, I had got a trainer um, that found me at the water ski club and offered to to bring me into his gym and and train me. And that's a very important key part of my my story too. Basically, everything that I'm talking to you about made an impact in my life in a way I would never expect. So, awesome. yep, yeah, by doing that, I uh, the next year come back to Saskatoon and uh, there's three events in, in water skiing. There's slalom ski trick ski and jump ski well i learned how to get up on a trick ski so that's basically all i ever did and uh one of the guys at the ski club one day was uh giving me the gears because i wasn't slalom skiing i said well i can't get up on a slalom ski and uh wow. he said we don't look like a b-i-t-c-h <laughs> yeah. and you know how to you know how to motivate me i'm like damn right so i'm not and so uh, I get on, on the ski for the first time in a while. Boom, get up. No problem. And then from then on there, I just, I think part of it was developing the muscle. And then yeah. the other part of it was just having, you know, that real drive to want to do it. And then I get up on a slalom ski for the first time. Well, that went from being the event that was probably my least favorite event to fast forward, you know, another seven years, um, you know, breaking a slalom world record. Amen. Um, being ranked, you know, number two in the world for all three events. Um, you know, my life just really took off in that direction. You know, I became a big, big advocate for, for people with disabilities, uh, in my community, um, you know, putting my old home city on the map. Um, you know, and then if I'm going to rewind a little bit, that guy that brought me to his gym, gym to train me, well, he had a private gym was basically all executives that went to that gym. And so the language that executives talk in is a little bit different than in layman's terms. <laughs> and I started to think totally different about money and how to accumulate wealth. At the time, I went to school and I was a parts manager for, uh, for a powerline construction company. And I really didn't love what I did because I'd go in the coffee room and I would tell people, man, I'm going to do something big with my life. And they'd say, Nolan, how are you going to do that here? And I thought, you're right. How am I going to do that here? I'm not. And, you know, the universe brought me another gift. Uh, they had a, a financial a friend's uh, uh, co-worker's wife was a financial advisor. And she came and introduced herself to me and took over my finances and taught me some just basic principles, which I thought were fascinating. Now, keep in mind, I was never a math guy, Steve. I was <laughs> I was not a, I was like. Oh, not your forte. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, just let me pass. Yeah. And, uh, when I worked with her for about a year as a client, one day she said, Nolan, you have great people skills. She's like, I think you'd be good in this business. And I thought, I don't think you know what you're, who you're talking to. I, I don't think I'd be good at all. And she's, like, well, Nolan, she's like, I can teach you the fundamentals and, the, and you know, like how investments and how insurance works. I can't teach people to be personable. And she's like, that's what's important. And so I went on with them as a part-time advisor. It was Primaric as the company. Worked with them for about a, a year and a half before deciding to quit my full-time job and go full-time into Primerica. 
I th think my parents probably thought I was uh, who knows what. Yeah. We are down a great job getting six figures and to make to go on a straight commission only job where I was making hardly anything at the time. But what it did though is I was brought into a community of people that are constantly pushing each other up. And I stopped trading my hours for dollars right then and there. And I realized that, you know, I can, you know, I can get trade money for time. Yeah. And learn to accumulate wealth without actually having to be at work all the time. And so that started me out as as an entrepreneur, which is something I've always wanted to do. Well, I'm in awe. I, I, I could hear you listen to you talk. I'm so stuttering because through that whole story, it's tragic and not tragic. But how many people served you, the trainer, the guy in the wheelchair, and I'm sure there's a number of those 83 people that came, which is what we talk about in this podcast. And I love that you're saying that. But now let's talk about you took all your struggle and now you're a super successful financial advisor, correct? Yeah, I've uh, I've done very, very well in that field. Um, you know, this is my, will be my eighth year this spring. Congratulations. Um, 2019, we we climbed the ranks and made you know number two in disability sales, and we got to go. I took my dad on a trip to the Bahamas with the company, and uh, you know got to go and meet the CEO, sit right beside the CEO actually, and uh, and the president and whatnot, and got to tell these great great entrepreneurs my story. Um, you know, came back with a a real sense of accomplishment, but I'm a hungry guy. Like I I'm always looking for the next thing. And so shortly after that, I, I started to dabble in real estate. And so I bought my first long-term rental, bought a little duplex. And it was about, I guess it would have been about a year later, um, I learned about short-term rentals. So I took a little course online on how to do short-term rentals. And I got into the Airbnb game. So Airbnb arbitrage and then also uh, properties that I own. And so I went from, well, I had my one duplex, my one property, so two rental doors. Uh, I guess I had a, a basement suite in my house that was also a rental. So let's say three rental doors. And then in 2021, I, I started this company and quickly climbed to, I have seven rental doors now um, in just the, the year and a half. And it's been an awesome road. I've got to meet people from all over the world. I have um, Airbnbs in three different provinces here in Canada. I recently just moved out to the, the West Coast or near the West Coast um to again kind of challenge myself and and to see you know what kind of people i can meet and where that would go um and so just recently you know how i met steve is uh you know we have a mental performance coach everyone needs someone to hold them accountable and i think Amen. when you get to that level where you find you're kind of exceeding the people around you you got to find someone that's doing more than you to push yep. you yeah and um it again, you know, just a recent development. It kind of had another turning point in my life here, where uh, normally I'm a keynote speaker. I've spoken all across Canada. I've spoken at a ton of different types of organizations, a lot of high schools, and I've spread my message all over the place. And uh, you know, I recently got a, a, a an opportunity to go to work with um, you know professional athletes um, as a mental performance coach. And it was something inside me. I honestly didn't think I had like people. I was kind of wondering why, why me? Because I don't think of myself as extraordinary. You know, I just, I look at myself as the same as everybody else. I might've done some pretty incredible things in my life, but I'm not really detached from 
from that reality, like, you know, I'm still pretty, you know, down to earth guy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, again, through this opportunity, you know, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to get around the people that I want to be around, around people that, you know, I can definitely relate to and, and get them to get a little more out of their life. When I set my world record, that was something that went through my brain for five years when I made that decision every day, what that was going to feel like. And I made it happen. And, uh, you know, I think I'd bring a lot of value in, in that sense by developing all the things I've learned over these 12 years and putting that into a program and where I can help people get the most out of their life, whether it's in sport, whether it's in business, maybe it's just at home with the family. But um, I think that's the reason I'm on this earth is to help people and, you know, do my part to try and make this world just a, a little bit better place one person at a time. Well, you're doing that. You're doing that with me. When I heard your story, now I've got the depth of the story. And audience, I'm going to recap. This gentleman, Nolan Barnes, had a tragedy in his life. And you even said it. I don't think my life will ever be the same. Well, were you surprised when it's much better? Well, you thought you could be in a black hole. And I didn't know about the rentals. And I didn't, you know, I knew about the coaching. But and I just I love the recap. Tragedy, tragedy recover from that, overcome it, become a top financial advisor of Prime America, rentals. You're just moving up the ladder as a paraplegic. It, let's do, You are, but yeah. you're not stopping you. Absolutely not. Why not? Why is this not stopping you? You know, I think you're given choice A and choice B. And everyone says, I can never do what you do. And I'm like, trust me, when you're in that deep, dark place and you look at B and B's, you know, the end yeah. all of a sudden a isn't so bad i just went one day at a time i i couldn't tell you what my next year was going to be like but i could i could just get to tomorrow and that's all i did just one day at a time and i was not afraid to talk about my feelings when i was feeling low and upset you know i recently started making notes because I'm, I'm going to write a book and when i was on my old computer i was going to wipe this hard drive and i went on there and i remember seeing all these old suicide notes that i'd written Wow. So, yeah, I totally forgot about them. And I thought when I was reading these notes, this is like six years later. And I thought, wow, I can't believe I thought of myself like that. I said, just imagine if I would have convinced myself to do something like that. You know, I feel like I made a pretty big impact on this world in just a short while. And that would all be gone if I would have, you know, given into that. But I also think by getting that down on paper, that did make me feel better. By writing it out, and all of a sudden, by the end of that, I realized I'm not serious about this. I'm just emotional and I'm just hurting. And I need to find a purpose. I went my whole life with always having a purpose. It's kind of like, you know, if you were uh, a hockey player and, and you were on your way to the NHL and you blow out your knee and no one's going to sign you, you're going to have the same feelings as I did, that the, it's the end of the world. Yeah. No, Nolan, and that's incredible. Your hole is even deeper than I thought with the suicide. And I appreciate your transparency. And you're right. You may not think that, but if you're struggling out there, audience, you're just, you're broke right now. Yeah. If no one can do it, I know it's a cliche. If no one can do it, I can do it. You all can do it. That's what you're trying to get the message out is, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. Love you know, it. and... Uh, like I like I said, I've I've uh, I've talked to a, a ton of people all over the place, and I always let them get in touch with my Instagram or through my website or Facebook, 
And, uh, you know, when I hear the impact statements of people after delivering one of my presentations, and I realize how some people just at the right time needed to hear that, you know, and I've got some awesome, awesome success stories. There's probably a million that I don't know about, but like, you know, for some of the people that told me what they were going through and how they're changing things. And then you talk to them years later and it's like, wow, you really did make a difference from that point on. You decided I'm no longer going to be sitting down depressed and unhappy. I'm going to, I'm going to do something. I don't know what, but I'm going to start doing something. Right. Yeah. I went to the hospital when I was in the hospital, I had three other people around my age that were all injured. And that's kind of like my control to figure out where I'm going in life. So every time I see them years later, I'll catch them, you know, out, out on town, out in the town or uh, the one guy who used to come skiing with me. And uh, I would see kind of, where they were at and they were still struggling, you know, they couldn't, they were having trouble with transfers. Maybe they aren't, um, you know, doing really anything with their life. And I look at that and look where I'm at now. And I said, they, they motivated me, I guess, if anything else, unsurprisingly, yeah. but yeah, they, you know, I, I could easily have been in that same spot. Yeah. Just so, decisions. You you made a decision. You don't want to be there. Nothing against them, but I, and decisions every day in our lives, yours is, huge i mean my decisions don't compare but that doesn't mean i can't learn from them and that's what i'm loving and hearing from you god bless you let's jump in real quick we're running a little time here i mean we could talk all day but you have to get better yourself and you did that with other people but what did you do like books did, did you read any books that helped you inspire you tell us yes. about those yes so one of the first uh personal development books those are the only books i read um was rich dad poor dad and that was a book that an entrepreneur gave me and said i want you to read this book and i want you to meet with me and we're going to talk about how that made you feel and i read this book and i wasn't a reader like you know i i just that wasn't my thing and i could not get my head out of this book and it just changed everything that i knew about accumulating wealth it really did it just yeah. opened the floodgates of what's possible out there and I realized that I don't have a doctor and engineer brain. I can't use the brawn anymore to make a living. Not a lot of places are offering six-figure year, you know, salaries for people with disabilities. So what am I going to do? I have to do something different. And that book just changed how I thought about money. And I've lent that book out like a million times. Good for I have you. a friend that has it right now. And I've read it a few times. Um, and you know, that, that book alone, I was going to say, if you're going to pick any book to start, uh, your personal development journey, read that one first, even if you're not a money motivated person, because chances are you probably think of money in a negative context. But once you read that book, you're going to really understand, uh, the power, you know, behind, uh, creating streams of income and how, and at a day like today, an inflation-ridden world, if you watch the news, the sky is falling. It's all doom and gloom. Yeah. I don't watch any of that crap. You know, I might stay in touch with it because I kind of need to know as an advisor what's going on in the world. But I don't wake up in the morning and, and watch what, you know, the politicians are doing. Because I can't control that. What I can control is what's in here. Amen. You know? So that's a great book to if you're going to get started to start with that one. And I love it, Nolan, because a lady told me this week that I had as a guest, she said, how many times do you think about money? Just think about it a day. And when she said it to me, I started thinking about my hotel room I'm paying for, what I'm paying for. And you're right. 
financial advisors are super important in this world because we don't know how to handle it, but an expert like you can. So I want you to reach out to Nolan. Um, if you have speaking engagements available to him, if you have a company, reach out to him. He'll get that set up and I'll help you get set up because that's my goal with Nolan is to get this message out because he never gave up and we hear that all the time, but he's still learning and he's still serving because he got served when he had his injury. Now he's giving back. If we all do that in this world, right, Nolan, it'd be a better place when we watch all this news. Absolutely. News crap. I love that news crap. So we're at the end of the show and I want to thank you, Nolan. It's been my absolute pleasure to have you on and and, and be able to share your story. Um, And again, information will be in the show notes. Reach out to him, please. I beg of you, if you're struggling, please reach out. I'm struggling in my own ways. He's made me better in the two times I've talked to him. Watch this podcast over and over, get inspired. You're having a bad day. Let's leave the audience. And I know you have a good tip because anybody that struggles has learned something. What would you offer the audience today that's helped you get to where you are today? Honestly, I would say when a door opens, it's not. there's not going to be a neon sign that says, do this, do this. And don't be afraid to fail if that's not the right avenue. But you just never know where that door is going to go. And, you know, the worst thing you could do is do nothing. And I just say to you, you know, if you're struggling and you're really spin your head about what you want to do in life, do something differently that you're not doing now and take that one step at a time, meet a new friend, take a new opportunity, look at a different career path, whatever it may be, but just take a chance because life may may reward you in a way that you will never expect. And it might not be because you went through that door, but it's because you went through that door that you found the right avenue to go down. Yeah. 